Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, the day after USC's 34-30 win in Tucson against the Arizona Wildcats. Another fourth quarter comeback for these cardiac kid Trojans. That's what Pete Arbogast was calling them on the radio broadcast. We're going to talk about the game. Another win that maybe feels a little bit like a loss to some fans. So we're going to talk about that, what they did right, what they did wrong. What Coach Harvey Hyde feels about the Trojans performance in this one again another fourth quarter comeback for usc so we have the coach on the line you can follow him on twitter at coach harvey hyde or go to his website harveyhyde.com we are going to answer some of your questions we got texts we got voicemails we got emails you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141 we'd really love you to go to your apple podcasting application on your phone or your computer or your ipad whatever it is Leave us a five-star rating, a positive review with any kind of comments you have, feedback, suggestions. That really helps us bump the show up the list of sports podcasts. And we've been doing it a very long time. And we appreciate all of you listening in. And we do appreciate the coach who's going to be chiming in and giving his thoughts on this game. Coach, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely fantastic. What a beautiful Sunday. I'll tell you what, beautiful Sunday here sitting here with you, Ryan, and uh also, and uh, watching my big screen here, watching UCLA play on a Sunday morning. It's beautiful in the Rose Bowl. What a day. College football on Sunday. Well, we started Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then we got NFL football on Saturday or Sunday. But now we have the Pac-12 on Sunday. And if you want to talk about that a little bit, we could talk about that in the future of the Pac-12. And the think it all comes from schedule we got so much to talk about Ryan. we might have to go till it's afternoon i know and uh, the masters is on as well it's a weird sunday morning and we're recording our show as uh the bruins are putting taking it to the cow bears which i didn't expect but it's one of those things coach you don't know if a team doesn't play in their first game what they're going to look like we're going to see utah next weekend uh potentially and they haven't played in their first two games so who knows what's going to happen there Arizona, USC's opponent this past weekend, like I said, a 34-30 come-from-behind victory, didn't get to play in week one. They were scheduled to play Utah due to COVID. So we saw a little rust, I think, early on uh, from the Wildcats, but they got it together, and uh, they really put up a you know put up a fight against the Trojans. Some of the same, I wrote the column, my column after the game was about Groundhog's Day, just doing the same things over and over again, and just seems like the same problems for this team coach uh, keep popping up. It could have been last year. It could have been the year before. It could have been through the first two games. But two weeks in a row, a fourth-quarter comeback is needed. And this is against, if you look at the 24-7 sports team talent composite index, USC has the most talent in the, in the, in the, in the Pac-12, and Arizona has the least. So I get, you know, the Arizona State game, a little more understandable. 9 a.m., everything was sort of like, it was a weird day. You you know, everyone's first game. USC already had a game under their belt, and this is an inferior opponent, at least on paper. I, I don't know, Coach. I mean, 
I don't think a lot of USC fans came away from this one feeling very good about the win, even though it was dramatic and another last-minute comeback again. Well, 28-27, 34-30, and this week it's the Pac-10. Last week it was the Pac-8. They were able to <laughs> – st- so we don't know whether it would be Pac-12 again or what Pac it's going to be. But, again, uh, when you win, it's always good to get the W. And then you look back and you say, what's going on? Uh, this isn't Alabama. This isn't Notre Dame. And the AP poll just came out, and Alabama's one and Notre Dame's number two. Yeah, you start to look at this, you say, wow. Maybe uh, we got a break here because uh, they did have some miracles to win the Arizona State game at the end, and they had some miracles here, I thought, too, to win this game 34-30 because Arizona, I couldn't figure out uh, on their drive there when they went ahead 30-27 to what they were doing. They were running a high pace type of offense, moving the ball, and all they needed to do was score and, 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 and don't leave any clock time on the clock, but they scored with a minute 32, I think, on – they ran the play within 10 seconds. They could have ran the play down another 20 seconds or more on this entire drive. So I just couldn't figure out what Arizona was trying to do. And then again, USC came back and uh, drove the ball down the field. And uh, they had that miracle tip again. Remember, that kid possibly could have tipped it away or intercepted that ball, but it didn't and fell in Brown's hands. And congratulations to St. Brown for watching the ball and catching it. And uh, they go in and score. And uh, Drake Jackson uh, appeared on the scene and made a sack and made a couple of good plays. And and they were able to get that W. But when you look at the overall performance of the game, you know, the game was just even the whole way. Time of possession, first downs, I mean, rushing yardage, passing yardage, everything, which isn't the way it's supposed to be when you're ranked number one in the Pac-12, as far as the win it, they rated the last team in the Pac-12. They're playing with makeup players from West Virginia, New Mexico State, a new defensive coordinator, as USC has. And you play them to the wire. You play them to the wire and, and uh, to win this game. So I think a lot of things got exposed that I've been talking about for a long time. And I think the people that watch the game uh, heard – their announcers, and I've never heard announcers talk like this or critique things like this, they were listening to our podcast, okay? Because I've been saying this for the last two or three years. I think the air raid attack got exposed. Some of the things that they talked about as far as going under center, the defense, all these different things, I think, got national attention. And I think the Pac-12 currently right now on the two national televised uh, performances by the Trojans with their tradition in winning 28-27, 34-30, and hearing announcers talk like that didn't do much for their image. Yeah, um, I think the announcers were saying a lot of things that USC fans have been saying. If you follow along on on Twitter and and on the message boards and everything, there's just uh, fans are not really happy, and it's it's one of those situations, Coach, where it's a shortened season. And you got two wins. You're two and zero. Oh. And you know they, a lot of the players were saying you get the dub and you move on. And Clay Helton, on multiple occasions, was saying we're one and zero this week. You know, two and zero overall. We're going to try to be one and zero next week. And I get the like he's just kind of laying back on. There's a result, right? USC won the football game, but when you the style points count. And I think in this situation, you know, I feel like they do. If you're going to talk about 
a championship team, you can win the Pac-12 without style points. But can you be a real championship team? There was a lot of talk about, hey, this team could go undefeated and, and potentially make the playoff. There's a lot of games getting canceled across the country if somehow USC goes 7-0 and and looks really impressive. The selection committee would have to consider them, even though they've only played seven games. Well, they haven't looked good through either of the first two games. And I I feel like you're being a little disingenuous, Coach, as far not you, but when Clay Helton is talking about this stuff, they haven't looked good. And they haven't played up to their level of talent. They've played down to their level of competition, in my estimation. And I don't know. I mean, I you know, we've heard so many times like, well, we're still alive in the Pac-12 South and all that kind of stuff. In this situation, like when you're talking about championships and you got all this talent coming back, you got to look better than what you're when you're looking. And I don't want to hear. I tweeted out. I don't want to hear any more about playoff and if they can make it and stuff. You can't look like that against Arizona and need a a tip pass at the end of the game to win. Uh, when you're talking about you know beating the team that was picked to finish last in the Pac-12 South and a Kevin Sumlin squad that's on the hot seat and you got walk-ons on the two deep and the def- you know. And, defensive linebackers, things like that. Like to me, coach, it just didn't look like, I mean, it certainly doesn't look like a championship team, but I, I don't even want to hear talk about that. You just got to go out and, and winning a game is fine, but you got to look good doing it. And they just haven't done that. Well, I think uh, you're right, Ryan. I think that <clears throat> it's, it's time to, uh, uh, it, there's been a bandaid and the bleeding keeps going on. It, it's got to, it's got to, uh, you got to look at it and you got to say, why? Why are we looking better? Why are we winning close games? So that isn't good enough because, well, first of all, I don't think the Pac-12 is very good so far. I've watched every team play, and I think anybody can beat anybody, okay? I think anybody can beat anybody until someone steps up and shows me uh, how dominated a team could be. There's not a dominant team in the Pac-12 right now. Washington State was beating Oregon, and Stanford played the heck out of Oregon the first week without several of their players. So, I haven't seen Oregon be that dominant. If, if USC got their game together, they could beat Oregon. But, uh, yeah, uh, there's a reason, Ryan, and, and I've talked about these reasons all along. You can't say the wind was in your face. You can't say, well, it, we don't just go under center. We just don't believe that. Or we don't have a short yard as this. Or we don't do this. Or we don't do that. Or we don't. Run, uh, we don't run bootleg and a lot of play action. We don't run two backs. We don't use tight ends. We don't get in a double tight with a jumbo type of breaker for- formation when we're down on the one yard line. And, uh, we don't have an open end where a safety or a corner can blitz through and stop our back before he gets started to the line of scrimmage. I mean, I mean, you look at this and that's elementary football. That's elementary type of football. Why does Tom Brady go under center? Why does Aaron Rodgers go under center? Why do they go under center? Because it just makes sense that you're closer to the goal of the line you're trying to cross, but there's no reasoning. There's no reasoning. It's just we don't do that, or we don't do this, or we don't do that. I mean, I don't understand it, and it goes continually goes on as far as the backs. I tell you, if, if people are listening to my tweets going out during the game, I can't figure out what they're doing with the running backs as far as the rotations. They've got great running backs that they could utilize and utilize that for Keaton. I mean, for the play-action pass, the poor guy stands back there. He has to go 5-for-5 five five on that drive to win the game or 12-for-12 12 12 on his last passes so they can sneak out a victory. 
instead of pounding it and play action passing and using their backs as receivers and circles and swings and curls and uh, checkoffs and all of the things that you can do to become a great football team. When you look at Kendon, he's a captain as a sophomore. Without him, what happens? I mean, they got too much pressure on this kid. And uh, they don't utilize the entire field as far as with the type of routes they're running. Thank goodness they have a basketball player playing football because he goes up and rebounds above the rim, brings down plays, and then when he comes down, he's 6'5", 225, 230, and fights for another five yards or more to make that first down or whatever. So you've got great athletes making great plays instead of really a reason for why you do certain things. And the same thing, I haven't got to the defensive side of the football, but my goodness, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And I've talked about this five years, so I'm getting tired of talking about it. And I know all you people are getting tired of listening to it. But the question is, why? Why don't you believe in these things? Why don't you do these things? Tell us why, because it just makes common sense. Why does everybody else do it? But USC doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, well, we, we got a bunch of questions, but maybe we'll get some uh, thoughts from you on the on the defense uh, overall. I mean, last week there was a lot of criticism with the, uh, you know, USC, uh, you know, giving up some of the long, you know, third and longs and, and situations like that. But as far as the secondary goes, Jaden Daniels just didn't throw for that many yards. He was under 50% passing. A little bit different uh, with, uh, you know, Grant Gunnell. I mean, he had a, a pretty good day, 286 yards, three touchdowns, and a, and one pick. Um, he was 24 of 36, so pretty efficient, uh, high rating there. Um, overall, you know, and giving up, uh, you know, 444 total yards to Arizona. What were your thoughts on the the USC defense? Well, uh, here's a kid that had had played much at all and rushed for 14 yards or whatever, and is in all of the games he played in and got 84 yards against USC. Uh, until they started spying him with Scott. I thought Scott did a pretty good job at doing that. I mean, he's not even a running quarterback. He, you know, he's not even real athletic, a pretty good thrower. But, man, when you face an athletic quarterback, you're going to be in real trouble as far as USC's defense is concerned. As far as the rush on the quarterback, I thought, and I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to uh, – Wrote it, but 93, I thought, two weeks in a row has been dominant as far as the defensive player on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Marlon Tupelo, too, yeah, Marlon. Yeah, he, sh- he should be the defensive player of the week again. I'm just telling you, because I haven't seen that by anybody. This kid is really playing well. He loves a game of football. You can see it. And you've got another kid that loves a game of football on the defensive side of the football, and Drake uh, Jackson, but you don't see him until – at the end of the game, making two straight plays, he's a playmaker. Without that sack, without that, uh, I think he had two sacks, or, or not, no, one sack, and he uh, stopped the ball carry. I mean, that's he should be doing that all the time, these two. Because I don't think that the other part of the defensive front is that active. I thought that Nick uh, Eccles had a pretty good game as far as running around and putting some, some pressure on. I think the linebackers are sort of sputting around, and and not playing at the speed of the game that they need to play at. But I thought the secondary played hard. I love the way they come up and tackle. I love the way that they cover. They just need to, uh, Steele just needs to watch his hands a little bit, but he's covering the guy like a blanket. They're really trying to play. They play a lot of man. Uh, 
And if you play man, you got to put a rush on the quarterback. And if you don't put a rush on the quarterback, then you're in trouble. So that's exactly what's happening to the defense. And again, I don't know how they're going to face an athletic quarterback when that time comes. So we'll see what happens there. So, uh, you know, they're not very athletic, Arizona, on offense. They're not. But uh, they found a way to move the football. They found a way to score points. And USC helped them as far as in by kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff, Schaefer, which I think is a good athlete, but you can't do that. 30 yards in penalties, and then they get down there and they score. And they get down in the red zone, and USC you know, makes a mistake, and they can't get in and score. So they allow these guys to stay in the game with them. And when you do that, it's not necessarily the players. It's what you're doing with the players. And I think that's got to be really uh, looked at as far as uh, them as a as a staff, as far as what are we doing out there, and why aren't we able, you know, like the draw play. How long have you heard me talk about the draws? They run two draws, and those are two of their biggest plays as far as on their scoring drives. I think one scores, and the other one goes to the one. If you're going to pass the football that much, you got to keep the pressure off the quarterback. So run a draw. They run. They run. They ran one screen, but that was terrible. I'm going to talk about the timing on that. So. You know, and formations, don't set your formations where I can call the plays or the routes that are being called before. My wife sits next to me and she says, how'd you know they were going to do that? I said, it's not hard. Figure it out. <laughs> you just figure it out. Yeah. And then, you know, and you have 11 penalties for 110 yards. Uh, uh, special team-wise, well, two of those are special teams, 10 yards, and that's Sean Snyder, what a smart coach he is as far as taking those two and delay a game in a legal procedure to give Griffin more spot uh, space to, uh, you know, get the ball in good field position. But unfortunately, it went into the end zone. But that's thinking on the special uh, team side. And consistency is what the key thing is on special teams. And one missed field goal didn't hurt or hurt him badly. And the kick out of bounds. So consistency wasn't there. So these are the things that I observe as far as so far. All right. Um, one of the issues that came up in the last two weeks was how Keaton Slovis looked as far as throwing the football. John Abrea wrote in. Uh, he said, Ryan and Coach High, towards the end of the game, Brew McCoy dropped what appeared to be an easy catch. I think he dropped it because he's not used to catching a ball that isn't spinning. It's like trying to catch a balloon. Coach, have you ever seen a quarterback's ability to throw tight spirals change so drastically without it being due to injury? Has this staff completely messed up his mechanics or his mental approach? Is it too late to bring in his high school mentor, Kurt Warner, or even Norm Chow to correct things? Thanks and fight on, John and Brea. And uh, we got to ask, I got to ask um, Graham Harrell about it the before the game. And Graham Harrell had said that, you know, this was on Tuesday. And he had said, yeah, he didn't notice anything that was off. Clay Helton sort of like was asked after this game and sort of stumbled around it a little bit saying that, Sometimes dry balls are slick. Sometimes it, you know, it was a little windy down there. And then I've had reporters from Arizona tweet me that there was absolutely no wind. Um, so it just seemed like they were sort of like coming up with excuses. And Keaton Slovis said his arm feels great, um, that he needs to, you know, work on his mechanics or something. But that was, you know, he didn't know exactly what was wrong. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Coach? And have you ever seen a quarterback kind of go from throwing tight spirals to not? Well, first of all, it must have been a different games that we watched, okay? 
Because to make a comment like that, that you can't see the difference in throwing the football, I saw that in the first game. He wasn't throwing with the same velocity and the same spin, okay? It was sort of floating. The ball was sort of floating. Even the the, the, the catch, of the, the one that London caught when he went up and caught it, that was floating. We call that a, a wounded, that looks like a wounded duck, okay, as far as flying. As far as windy, the windy doesn't make any difference. It wasn't that much wind. And to come up with a comment like that on balls and this and that, excuses are for losers, okay? You got to be able to perform if it's raining, snowing, whatever. The football field is the same size for both teams. You didn't see the uh, other team uh, throwing the football like that. So, yes, there's some timing that's off. Uh, it could be overpressured. Uh, probably could be uh, thinking about the rush and, and uh, hurrying his throws or not having the confidence that he should and the pressure on the poor kid. Uh, without him performing, what happens? Pressure makes a difference, too. Your adrenaline and making a play happen and feeling comfortable and, and getting to play in and, and all of those things make so much difference, too. I mean, uh, these things these, these things all add up. So, you know, yes, there's a difference in his throwing. And the poor kid tried to cover it up at the game. He says, it's my techniques. I need to work on my techniques. You don't need that. You know, really, don't overcoach the kid. Just let the kid play, okay? And make it easier for him by giving more play-action passes, let him roll out, have options, not try to find somebody, have people in his face, all of the above. So, you know, that that's just my feeling. I mean, really, he's, he's proven he can do it, so why not, you know, you got to build up his confidence and put him in a situation where he can be successful. That's the main thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't we take a quick break, and we're going to come back and answer more questions. We've got a lot of uh, upset USC fans, Coach, back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, we got a text from uh, Trojan Rick. He said, I could simply copy and paste my thoughts from last week. And it was funny, I, we have a Google Doc that we write all the questions down in, and there was a couple that came in late from last week that we didn't get to. 
And I was reading them and I'm like, oh, this is about the Arizona game. But it was actually about the I mean, the Arizona State game. So I get it. There's a lot of the same thoughts from week to week. But Charger Rick says, uh, awful play calling. The run works, so go away from it. Thank goodness for the Fox broadcasters. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt must listen to this podcast because they just said that, quote, this offense is hard to watch. Quote, it's up to the coaches to make adjustments, not the players. On short yardage, SC makes fourth and one, fourth and five due to play design. This is silly. I'm sending this at the beginning of the fourth quarter because it really doesn't matter what happens at this point, win or loss. Which does it feel like? Oh, yeah. The announcers also pointed out that USC never can seem to put a team away and be dominant. Uh, Yay, anyone? Ryan, please find out why this offensive philosophy refuses to take advantage of the obvious, obvious, but once it has an advantage, it goes away from it. Thanks for the therapy. Checks in the mail. Trojan Rick. Well, Trojan Rick, uh, it's it's because of the reasons we've been talking about the entire time. You can't win championships throwing the football every single down. It's a philosophy, okay? And uh, this philosophy is uh, throw the football. Run isn't the first thing. You can talk about it, but it isn't because the formations aren't set to that. The plays aren't set to that. Nothing is set to that formation and what they're doing or the common sense that you do and where you are in certain field positions. And I hate to be this hard on my opinions, but this is my opinion. If I was in the coach's office, they asked me to come in and talk to them. I'd sit down and go through the film and point out all these different things, how I can call the plays and do this and do that. And uh, all the little things that why you're not successful. Okay. Because you're not balanced. You're not tough. You've got to be really tougher and, and get off the football and own the line of scrimmage and believe in all of these certain type of things. Not that these kids can't do it. They were smart running behind Tucker, but Tucker had the pride, and the other kids are trying as much as they can as far as being able to uh, get some yards. But unless you hold the perimeter, perimeter with some type of running game or bootleg type of action or jet sweep or counters or something, you're going to have everybody pinching down inside trying to take the run. Uh, on the touchdown runs, that's all Malapii and Step, as hard as they run in their effort, and they're falling forward. It's not because of great blocking or great play calling. It's because the effort these great athletes are doing, and they're such studs. I, in fact, I can't. I tweeted out, why are you rotating these guys? Let somebody get a feel and get after it. There's too much rotation going on as far as in the receiver's part of it, too. Nobody's really having the, an opportunity to get the feel with with Keaton as far as uh, Keaton seeing the same receiver all the time as far as running routes and the timing. Every kid does something different than the kid that's ahead of him or in there. And you see rotations all the time in there. and No play action pass for him at all because there's no fake really. It just He puts the ball out there and he lets it just run and he doesn't continue with the fake to the outside where they don't know or they don't have to do that. It's either an inside run or a pass. There's no completion of a series. There's no real series that's going on. It's all pass. We're going to outpass you. And, you know, we talked about that earlier. When have you seen, not today's show, really, when have you seen one of these teams win a national championship? And I think Urban Meyer said it the best. If you guys watch the pregame show and postgame show and all of the above, you can't win championships without being physical. And you got to be able to run the football. And you can't do it in one dimension. You got to be able, like Wisconsin believes in running the football. They huddle up too, and they come out and they run the football. But off of the running the football, 
They have all of the different type of play action passes that make it so difficult for you to cover because they're so dominant on the run. So you've got to be able to have the entire package, and USC does not have the entire package. It's getting back to what we saw a few years ago and what I called 31 flavors. Yeah, that was the gumbo, the 31 flavors, offense, all that. Um, all right, let's go to a voicemail. Another unhappy customer. Coach, here you go. Hey, Ryan and Coach. It's Don from Chicago. Uh, I wasn't going to call in this year, but I don't know. I just sort of had to. I mean, it was the most embarrassing win I've ever seen. Um, is it just us, the fans, who see it? I don't understand the USC administration. Soft. We were soft. Stupid penalties. Mistakes. Undisciplined. The same old Clay Helton stuff. And here we are in another year and another season, and he's still there. And I, I just don't have an answer for that, and I wish you guys would, would talk about it. How can Clay Helton still be there? We have fallen so far, so fast under under Clay's um, tutelage. It, it's just incredible. Is Mike Bone blind? Is the president of USC blind? Because fans are dropping right and left. We can't take it anymore. So I'd love your opinions on this. Again, Ryan and Coach. Love the broadcast. It's just very, very dispiriting. Thanks. Hey, Don, that's a good point. You know, we haven't ever talked about, Coach, that uh, people are upset with Clay Helton as head coach. We should broach that subject. That never, ever, never comes up. Um, Don, that's all we talk about. Like, that's that's every day. That's all we get all the time. So, yes, we've talked about it ad, ad nauseum. Uh, USC has a head coach. They sign him to a five-year extension that's fully guaranteed. It's a quarantine, you know, COVID year that the budgets in the athletic department are getting crushed. It would be almost impossible to fire Clay Helton if he was having a bad season and he's two and oh. So yes, we've talked about this before, Don, but I mean, there's, I don't, I don't think you can blame Mike Bone. He didn't come in and sign, you know, Clay Helton to an extension. He was, that was a burden he was given when he took over. So uh, I, I get it. I don't think he's, he's been up to par. I think that they need to go in another direction. But I just don't think it's really possible right now. So Clay gets some extra time to try to right the ship. They're 2-0, and but the ship doesn't look righted. But anyway, get your thoughts, Coach. Well, let's put it to you this way, guys. Let's, since we're being honest this morning and everything, first of all, I don't ever advocate making a coaching change. But you can't feel sorry if you do. The guy will pick up $30 million. So let's don't feel bad about that. But it all starts with the administration. And do they really want to get back to what they were? As far as a national power with the pride of the Trojan alumni, the student body, and everybody, do they really want that? Does a new president really feel that that's important? Does she just want to go five and five, eight and six, keep it down to the level where you know doesn't uh, no one gets that powerful, and you know we don't overwhelm the academic side of the administration and the student body and all of this and that, all the things you hear. I'd like to hear her say. We want to win a national championship, and if she doesn't know what it takes to win a national championship, I don't think she could write or draw up a play, and I don't think I could be a college president, okay? But I know what it takes to win a national championship, and she probably knows what it takes to run a university, but she doesn't know what it takes to run a uh, an athletic department with a football program that can win a national championship. 
And if she doesn't have an athletic director that knows what it is too, I'd make a change there too. And maybe they put a clamp on him where they can. And if it's a $30 million change, it better be a $30 million change because the longer you go with two and old victories like this, it gets makes it harder. And those victories shouldn't count as far as why you make a decision on who your football coach is. You got a guy on the spot of Fox Sports uh, stage right there, Urban Meyer, that that could do the things that you need to do at USC, but unfortunately, there's no one there that motivates or is a leader gives the leadership. As far as take a vote, see what the voting is. As far as the popularity vote, why? Like I asked coming on, why? Why is this going on? Why are they barely winning? Why on all these things? It shouldn't be the record of what it is. Is it the direction of where you want to go? I mean, as far as uh, in the entire coaching staff, not Clay Helton, the entire coaching staff from the front office to the recruiting coordinators uh, to, to everything, is it what you need to do to get it done? And I, I don't, I'm not sure the regents even feel that way. I think they all talk about it when they're with you. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. But then do it. Don't talk about it. Don't play a politic game up there. Well, maybe they won't like what I'm saying in the board meeting. I mean, you got to address problems when you have problems. And you got to say what the people outside are saying and what people are listening to these shows and, and uh, c- contribution-wise and uh, the way people are complaining about being gouged as far as the amount of money people are asking for, as far as continuous donations to the athletic department, as far as the cards. And the, you ought to hear the people talking about the money they have to pay for the cards where you sit in a stadium when you're not there. <laughs> I mean, you do. I don't know if you know about that, but I hear them talking. I mean, please put a product on the field and the USC Chargers will pay for everything. Yeah. So I think it's a philosophy, and I don't know if the school wants it. I'm not sure the regents want it. I'm not sure the president wants it. Uh, Mike Bones' hands might be handcuffed where he doesn't want it. But currently, it's not a record. It's the way you're doing things, and is it the way it's supposed to be? So it all goes back to not Clay Helton's fault. He's getting rich. It's just that when you have a when you have a, a, a heart transplant or you fly an airplane, you don't want it to be the first time the guy's done it. And I used those terms years ago. You don't fly Air Force One with the president in it and let you know how to fly these type of things. And you need someone at USC that they'll allow do this, to do this his way, not be told how to do it or want control over it. Yeah. And I don't think USC wants that. I don't think USC wants that. I think they like it, the way it's going, and they're trying to patch it up with bubble gum. And I think bubble gum after a while doesn't work. Yeah. Well, we got, I mean, we got other kind of complaints along the same lines. Sean, this is embarrassing. When was the last time USC dominated a lesser opponent? Just like we've said all, all the last few years, change needs to happen at this point. There's only one change that hasn't happened. Fire Clay. And we got Rich, who was saying embarrassing. Nothing's changed. Same mistakes, penalties, poor execution, stale offense. Uh, if it isn't the coaching staff, maybe the personnel is overrated. If the administration refuses to make changes, I will not renew my season tickets. It has become evident that the administration doesn't care about competing at the highest levels. Um, that's from Rich. And then we got Jesse Rodriguez. Uh, he says, 
very disappointed in this performance. And that's an understatement because, yes, I'm happy with 2-0. My issue is nothing uh, Nothing has changed. I'm trying to figure out what these coaches see as physical. I only played up to high school football, but we did a lot of hitting in between games. Full pads. I know this was back in the late 80s, early 90s, but come on. These kids are tougher than they think. How can these kids run, block, and tackle if they don't do it in practice? Obviously, the talent is trumping and winning games in spite of the poor coaching. Really, how hard is it to develop two tight ends, fullback, or an H-back formation with all these smart offensive coaches? You're going to tell me that the head coach is not able to put together a power run formation with all the players we have? It's all attitude. I have. A, you have to want it. These kids love to line up and blow the opposing defensive line off the line of scrimmage. I look forward to your opinion, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Love the show. Please keep me sane up here in the great Northwest. Uh, that's Jesse Rodriguez. Yeah, so a lot of, I mean, same same stuff kind of thing, but people are really frustrated, Coach. Well, they are. They're frustrated. They're frustrated at what they see and uh, how involved coaches' staffs are in the game. I mean, I look at Coach Kelton, and I, I really wonder what he does during the game. And I like this guy, okay? But right now, I don't know, you know, I see him hold up his finger, let's go for one. But I hear him uh, make the calls, let's go on fourth down. And does he have the confidence that they have the offensive uh, strategy to make these fourth down plays? He's doing a lot of them, or third down plays. And why are they in these third and longs all the time? Because they pass the ball on first down every single down. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this is going on. And unless you have somebody there that cares or knows football. It seems as though all the people that are talking about it and being very nice about it when they do it on national television or radio, and some people aren't very nice about it. They're just factual and they say it. And I'm just saying it because I'm asked these questions. They're not utilizing their talent. They're not utilizing exactly what's going on. They've got people in certain positions there that shouldn't be in those positions. I mean, what have they done to deserve the positions they're in? I mean, I'm talking about all facets of it and all of the above. Every single person on that staff should be there because he's a purple star or purple medal, gold medal winner or somebody like that. That's what USC is, man. You got it in your faculty. Why don't you have it in your athletic department? And I'm not figuring out any one person. I'm just saying... Well, I think everybody should be evaluated on the entire program as far as the Heisman trophies, the way they're handled, as far as the tweets that go out, the videos that go out, all the things that go out. Is this what they want? Obviously, it is, but they're allowing it. And that's how, that's the best way to to say it, because they're allowing it. So let's move on. Big Nick uh, from the P, uh, from Cyprus, he said, he's Big, Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. He said, um, in regards to what the athletic department does, if what happens if USC goes 6-0? and It's plain to see Helton isn't the man to lead the team in the future, but you can't fire him this year and maybe even the next year. Do you extend him if this, if this year and the next year? Uh, he's not really writing this very well, but uh, and you win the Pac-12 South title, or do you fire him? Fight on from Nick. And, uh, yeah, Coach, I mean, this comes up so much. What I've wrote, written, and what I feel is that almost anything this year was going to be, you can't make a change, you know? I think in 2021, there's much more of an opportunity to. And even if USC goes 6-0 and this year, whatever it is, wins the Pac, say USC wins the Pac-12, it's not looking as likely right now because some of the teams on USC schedule look a little better than I thought, and USC doesn't look as good as I thought. But it's very, you know, 
still easily could go six and zero uh, and heading into that championship game. I think you'll see a, a, more, a more difficult schedule um, in twenty twenty one. Most likely, um, it's going to be harder to get through that on you know unscathed. And I think that he's going to be judged fairly, but with a critical eye from. Uh, the new athletic director and, you know, the athletic department. And I don't think he's going to be given any kind of extension. He was already given one that I know the athletic department was not happy that they had to deal with. So don't, you have to worry about getting an extension. It's really just about, does he turn things around and they like win the PAC 12 title, like back to back years. Okay. Then, you know, he's probably not getting fired, but if they win it this year and they're kind of mediocre next year, I, I don't see a reason why they couldn't move on uh, from him if they don't see it going in in the direction they want it to go. So I, I think it's a shrewd, I think the athletic department, the guys that they've hired are pretty shrewd. I think they know what's going on. I think they're good evaluators and they're not going to look at, oh, they're two and zero, and say, well, you know, you beat Arizona. That's pretty terrible, especially if they go on and have a bad year. Um, that's not going to be worth as much as just saying like, hey, two and zero, one and zero this week. And, and that kind of coach speak that we've been hearing, but just that was my quick thoughts on that coach. I don't know if you have any more because we kind of sort of beaten a dead horse on this one. No, we have. Yeah, I think you. I don't care if they go eight and zero, ten and zero. Uh, you, you, you got to stop the bleeding, okay? And uh, you let the 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 traveler bleed to death. The tradition of the school bleed to death. Is this? Uh, are you happy with what's going on? Uh, are you going to give everybody ten year? Uh, what's going on? I mean, uh, you know, it's time to make a decision on what type of program you want. And I think I indicated that to you earlier. Don't ever say you can't do something. You can do whatever you have to do to correct something. And the longer you wait, the more problems you have and the longer it takes to correct it. So that's not me making the call. I'm just answering your question. And we got one last voicemail, Coach, uh, from our resident optimist. But even he's feeling a little uh, shaky right now. But let me play it for you and get your thoughts. Hi, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. This one's for the coach and Ryan. Hey, have you guys noticed that JT Daniels is gone? So we don't have to worry about that. Jack Sears is gone. We don't have to worry about Keaton worried about two other quarterbacks. But he throws the ball like he wants the backup to come in. The ball's wobbly the whole game until the last minute of the game. Two straight games now. He throws perfectly when the game is on the line. And the defense plays perfectly when there's, when there's no time left and there's no, no hope. Hey, you guys need to play like it's the fourth quarter and we're down with a minute to go. But you need to play like that the whole game. You can do it. Fight on. Curtis from Moreno Valley. And real quick, Coach. Curtis. Hey, real quick. Curtis, John, my oh, – uh, go ahead. Yeah, John Wilner no, tweeted ahead. out uh, yesterday on Saturday that USC scored eight touchdowns in the first two games. Four of them have come in the first 60, uh, 56 minutes of play, and four of them have come in the last four minutes of play. So half of their touchdowns have come uh, in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, which is kind of crazy. Well, you know, I, I don't know when they're when they're scored or whatever. It depends, you know, what's going on in the game. I haven't really looked at it that way. But uh, 
uh, you know, you know, it's it's funny, Curtis. You can see it in Marino Valley that the ball's not uh, floating right, but the guys in the sideline spinning right can't see that. Okay, it's amazing that they can make that type of comment. I mean, honestly, that comment. I just wonder, please, could you repeat yourself? I mean, the kid, uh, you're exactly right, was a different quarterback in the final drive than he was earlier in the way he was throwing the ball. So that's one thing I question. And on the defensive side, put your guys in positions where they can make plays, like Jackson was making plays or whatever you need to do to make a make a play. And uh, you're able to you know, to win football games. When the pressure's on you, you pick up the beat. You know it's going to be over with. You think you're going to get beat. So the adrenaline comes out and you take chances more on the defensive side. You go after people. You do things that you have to do, and and you have to be a little lucky, too. Let's put that in there. You have to be a little lucky, too. And uh, they were. They're fortunate. But is that the answer you want? Uh, I don't think that uh, that luck wins you uh, is on your side all the time, and I don't think that, uh, you know, I think that you've got to be able to be honest and have people that see the same things that we're seeing and come up with the same answers that other people are saying, and don't cover it, okay? Don't cover it up. To be honest with the people. Tell people what you think, and hey, you're so fortunate to be 2-0, as you mentioned. So fortunate to be 2-0, and I'm glad you are, but there's a lot of problems as far as what's going on. All right, Coach. Well, we broke that one down, tried to make sense of a it's always weird trying to make sense of a victory, but that's what we're trying to do in this one. We do appreciate all everyone writing in and calling in and texting in. Um, I know you guys are frustrated. A lot of fr- fans are frustrated out there. And if we can be your therapy session, that's uh, that's that's why we're here. So, But, Coach, great stuff again, and uh, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you very much. And I know how flustered you are, because I get the same way during the game, man. I'm glad I'm not doing the show during the game, okay? <laughs> I, I, I really am, because uh, it's very hard on all of us. And uh, I know how you all love the Trojan football program, and you want the Trojan football program to be the best at what it should be at. And and uh, I'm with you on that. So, Ryan, again, I thank you, and I thank all of you that sent in the questions and listen. And uh, be safe out there and wear that mask, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Coach, good stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. I'm Ryan Abraham. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028. Two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. For 
from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.